Welcome to another inspirational teaching from Pastor Charles Neiman. All right, we began this series four weeks ago, and I began, uh, this is a, as you can see, it's called Dollars and Cents, the spiritual and practical side of finances. And I began the first week laying down the spiritual foundation that it is God's will. Everybody say it is God's will. It is God's will that you prosper. He does care about the financial side of your life. On the same afternoon that Jesus was made to be sin, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, and then he was made to be sick, Isaiah 53. He was made to be poor, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. He was made to be sin so you could be made righteous. He was made to be sick so you could be healed. He was made to be poor so you could be well supplied. Third John verse two, John said, I pray above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. All right, so God does care about your financial life, all right? And the Bible says in, in, in Galatians 3.29 that, that if you're Christ, if you belong to Christ, how many of you belong to Christ? How many of you accepted Jesus Lord of your life? Then you are what the Bible calls, if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and have in your possession the promise. What promise? The promise that God made to Abraham. What was the promise God made to Abraham? Genesis 1, 2, and 3. As for me, God said, I, will bless you. I will bless you. I will bless you. The word bless means I will cause your life to go forward. I will cause your life to flow like a river. I will empower your life with favor and with strength and with wisdom and knowledge. And he said, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. And you will be a blessing. So the Bible says, God says, I will bless you. Ephesians 1, 3 says that as children of God in Christ, as children of the church in Christ, that we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And because we have been blessed, then we can say we are blessed. And Proverbs 10, 22 says, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich. All right, so God wants you to be well supplied. Amen? Amen. Okay, now, uh, is it God's will that we prosper? Yes, it is. It is God's will. God wants you to do better next year than you did this year, and he wants you to do better in 15 than you do in 14. All right? He wants you to do better. Okay, now we talked about a lot of these things. I gave you a little bit of a quick review there. And then Jared came in and did the practical side, right? He talked to you about budgeting. He talked to you about, ooh, the scary words in America, sacrifice. Oh, na 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 right? I mean, we, you know, uh, what's funny to me is, you know, a lot of Americans say amen to sacrifice so long as it's not them that have to sacrifice. It's okay if... They think their neighbors should. They think those people over there should. But don't talk to me about it. Come on, you can say amen to that. It's true. All right. Turn in your Bible with me tonight to Proverbs, the 13th chapter. All right. I'm going to come back in and I'm going to lay down some of the spiritual side for it to you tonight. And uh, got a lot of scriptures for us to look at. And let's begin in Proverbs 13. I want you to look at verse 22, all right? When I began to see 
what I'm sharing with you tonight and a couple of weeks ago and other times, those of you been around for a while, all right, and I share with you during the offering and every service, when I began to see that God did care uh, about my finances and not only did he care what I did with them, he cared so much that he wanted to give me more, all right? And he wants to give you more, right? The more you make, the more, the better you do, the more you can do what he wants you to do and the more you can help other people. How can I help the poor if I can't even pay my own bills? Right? How can I help my church if I can't even meet my monthly obligations? How can I, how can I support a cause in the community? How can I help when there's a tornado or a hurricane or a flood? How can I help those people if I can't even make it myself? And yet the Bible tells us to do all those things. The Bible tells us to give to the poor. The Bible tells us to give to those in need. The Bible tells us to give to our church. The Bible tells us to help those that need help. And how can I do that if, 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 according to some in the body of Christ, God wants his children broker than broke, more busted than Janis Joplin. <laughs> Some of you are so young, you're going, who's that? You don't know good music, I'm sorry. Busted flat. Yeah, her and poor Bobby McGee. Back to the point, all right? So as I began to see that God wanted me all right, and at the time, of course, I was married to Rochelle, that he wanted us to do better, that he wanted to get engaged in our financial life. And I began to see and began to study the word, and Rochelle and I together began to study the word to find out what did God have to say about it. And, and, and what I discovered, if you don't know this, is that God's system for financial betterment is a process, not an event. All right, it is a process. It is not an event. Now, can God give you an event? Absolutely, no doubt about it. I've seen God do financial events, just like I've seen him do healing events and spiritual events. He can do a financial event. I'm open to them. I've had a couple of them happen in my life, you know, that I would just go, whoa, <laughs> wow. I didn't expect that, you know, it's, it's great. All right, but that's not the norm. And, and, and if you're here tonight thinking that I'm going to give you some type of uh, Tinkerbell magic dust, you are going to be sorely disappointed in this service. Because <laughs> believe me, if I had it, I'd be selling it. <laughs> and I don't have it because it doesn't exist. There is a process, all right? Now, I want you to look with me. This is one of the verses that really got me focused and gave me determination. And maybe if you haven't thought this way, maybe it'll do it for you. It really made determination in Rochelle and I's minds. And when we began to look at this, we were broke, all right? As a friend of mine said, I was so broke, I, had a, I found it hard to pay attention. How, how many of you, how, it's funny, but how many of you understand that, right? Any of you know what I'm talking about? If you don't, thank God you've never been that broke. 
All right, I have been that broke. All right, where I found it hard to pay attention. Some of you know what I'm talking about. All right, there is no pressure like financial pressure. All right, and so we began to see this, and this is one of the verses that got us going. Verse 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Are you thinking that far? Are you thinking two generations away? Are you thinking three generations out? You, your children, and your grandchildren. Are you thinking that far out? What kind of inheritance are you going to leave them? Now, I know somebody wants to argue and say, well, you know, uh, he, he, you know he, he's talking about uh, uh, spiritual inheritance. Look at the rest of the verse. And the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. He's not talking about a spiritual inheritance. He's talking about money. There, I said it in church. The earth did not open and swallow me. <laughs> God wants you to, I'm going to just be bold tonight. This is my last night to teach on this. If you've got religion in you, I'm going to find it. The religion heat-seeking missile is out. All right? But the reality is this, all right? God wants you to have more money. He really does, right? He really does. And I'm going to show you why tonight, okay? One of the reasons is, is so you can leave an inheritance to your children's children. Yes, your spiritual inheritance is the most important thing. I, I, Rochelle and I worked long and hard to leave our children a great spiritual inheritance. She left our children and our grandchildren and all of you a great spiritual inheritance. Amen. But you know what? She didn't only leave a spiritual inheritance, she left another inheritance to her children and her grandchildren. All right? There are things that they will get, things that will come into their hands that she left to them that belonged to them. It was a goal that she and I set, and I continue to grow that inheritance. Now, if that bothers you, that a pastor thinks that way, tough. Because I'm not changing. All right? The reality is, is that God wants his children to leave an inheritance to the children's children. Are you thinking that far? Have you thought about it? Are you planning on it? Then if you're not, then you need to take the things that Jared taught you and you need to start doing them. And you need to do the things that I'm teaching tonight so that you can leave an inheritance to your children's children. Not just an inheritance of, well, uh, you know, daddy's gone, mama's gone, and all they left us was unpaid bills. Hmm? An inheritance to your children's children. So how are we going to get there? You still love me tonight? Everybody still happy? Okay, that's good. Thank you. Nobody raised their hand. That's a little scary. All right. Well, that's the way it is. That's okay. Turn with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want you to look at something about the nature of our Father. Okay? The, the way He is. The nature of our Father. All right? Because we are, we are going to partner with Him. We're, we're going to be doers of the Word. You know? Uh, I believe everything that Jared taught you over the last two weeks. I do it. I practice it. I didn't have to practice it. I didn't have to do budgets and things like that when Rochelle was alive because she did it all. Right? She, had, she could carry all that in her head. She had an incredible head for numbers. And she would carry all of it in her head. At any given moment, I could be anywhere in the world and call Rochelle and say, Hey, what was the electric bill last month? Boom. 
how much do we have in the bank? Boom. How much do we have in savings? Boom. I mean, she could just tell you, you know, what was the cable bill? Boom. I mean, she could tell you, and what was it? And it says, has electricity gone up from last summer to this summer or from this summer to this last summer? Uh, she could tell you what the bill was last August. I mean, she just carried all of it in her head. That was a tremendous, you know? And now all of that's in my hands and I have given it all to Jared. <laughs> Amen. It's called delegation. And I have no problem with delegation, all right? But if you're going to to get into the flow that God has for you, the process, and you need to understand something about your father's nature, how he looks at things. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. Paul said, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. All right, now here he's talking primarily about the impact of their preaching and their ministry in the cities that they were going into. But it also points out to you, as you'll see in a moment, I'm going to show you a lot more verses where that word appears, that our God is the God that gives increase. All right? And he gives increase in every area of life. God is not the God of increase in one area, and then he's the God of of debit in the other area. He is the God of increase. Amen? That's his nature. That's the way he is. That is his kingdom. That is his flow. All right? Honestly, I believe that if you, if you just, just even work at your relationship with the Lord, you can, it can't help but get better and stronger and increase. If you just work a little bit in understanding the kingdom of God, you're going to get more out of it. It's, your increase is going to be released in your life. How many of you agree with that, right? And, and honestly, the more you work at it, so work in quotes, the more you work at it, the more you focus on it, the more increase comes into your life. All right? Everybody clear on that? Amen? So our God is the God who gives the Increase. Now, he gives the increase to the planting and the watering. Did you see that? He gives the increase to the planting and the watering. Now, can God bring about a crop without planting and watering? Of course he can. He said so in the parable of the talents in Matthew, the 25th chapter. The, 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 the wicked servant said, I know you are a hard man. You reap where you have not sown. So God can bring about a harvest where there has been no sowing. But my family, that's not the norm. We live in an earth that is governed by the laws of seed time and harvest. Amen. Men reap what they sow. Right? They reap what they sow. And actually, that statement, if you read it in context there in Galatians 6, where Paul made that statement that a man shall reap that which he sows, is made in the context of people giving to the ministry. And he says in context, that verse, that actually statement was said directly about the reaping off of the giving into the kingdom of God. Now, it covers other areas of life also, but it was made primarily in relationship to the giving into the kingdom of God. Isn't that interesting, right? You can go home and look at it. I don't have time to show it to you now. Go with me to, to Psalm 115. Psalm 115. Hope you brought your Bible with you tonight because we're going to look at lots of verses. Nobody's going to be able to walk out tonight and say, well, you know, I don't think it's right to take one or two verses. No, I got, let's see, I got one, two, three, four, five, 
6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 18. So, uh, there's going to be no, well, I don't think it's right. Take one verse or two verse. <laughs> Listen, can I just say this somebody tonight? Listen, if you want to be broke, be broke. We're not mad at you. I'm not here to pick a fight with you. If you like it, go for it. That's fine. Seriously. God loves you. We love you. You're welcome. God bless you. That's fine. No problem. No problem. We got, we got no issue between you and me. None. But don't get mad at the rest of us that are going to take God at his word and see God bring about the increase in our lives that he so desires, that his son willingly paid the price to break the curse of poverty off of our lives. All right, Psalm 115. Look at verse 14. I love this verse. Wow. Read it out loud with me if you got it. And the Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. Don't you love that verse? I love that verse. I've been confessing that verse over my life for 25, 30, 35 years my children's lives and now my grandchildren's lives. And the Lord shall increase me more and more, me and my children. So there, our God is the God of increase. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Second Corinthians 9. Look at verse 10. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both ministers bread for your fruit and multiplies your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So there we see again that God brings the increase. All right. He is the God of increase. Now, I've established that point. How many of you believe that our God's nature is to bring increase to your life, right? Increase of wisdom, increase of knowledge, increase of peace, increase of joy, increase of health, increase of finances. Do you believe that tonight? Amen. Amen. Happiness. You think God wants to increase your happiness? Absolutely. He is a God of increase, all right? And you need to see him that way and begin to believe that that is being released in your life if you're, not, if you're not already doing it. That increase is in your life. You're with him and he is increase. Amen. All right? And so that is his will and his plan. Now, okay, there, now let's move into another direction. At some point, and some point in God's process to bring about more increase, financial increase into your life, you're going to have to start giving. All right? It is an integral part of the process. All right? There's the believing. There's the speaking. 
There's the changing of your thinking, which we talked about the first week, right? Where you begin to see yourself living in a bigger world and you begin to see that it is God's will and you get that settled and you change your thinking and your outlook and your confession over your life. You quit talking about, you know, we've always been broke. We're just, uh, this is our, this is the way we always, this, uh, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Get rid of that. And you start saying about your life what God has said, right? That, 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 uh, that my God, Philippians 4:19, my God shall supply all my need. How? According to his riches, not according to what the stock market does or the gas prices do or the Federal Reserve does or what this does. No, according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. So the Lord bread provider is the one that is going to force this to come into your life. Man, it's a good thing to be alive in the earth and know that God is on your side financially. You're not here just totally ruled by everything that goes on around you. Amen? Amen. All right? So that, that's all a part of it. And that's all a part of it. But at some point, you can believe it. You can confess it. You can change your thinking. But at some part, point, you got to start giving. All right? It's just a big part of the process. And it's a big part of it. Now, uh, it's really not open for debate. All right? It is, it is a part of God's financial increase process in your life. Now, it's, you, you can give, but if your confession's wrong and your thinking's wrong and your believing's wrong, it won't bring about the increase that God wants to. So you need all of it lined up, right? So you need the, the thinking, the believing, the speaking, okay? And, uh, and the changing of your words, what you confess over your life and the giving. Amen. So you got to have all of it working. It's not hard. It's not that hard to do. Uh, well, it's not. Yeah. Well, yeah. Some of it's hard. Okay. Yeah. I got, I, I can't tell you it's not that hard. Some of it is hard. Okay. And some parts of it may be harder for others, for some, for some than others. All right. For some of you, it's not going to be hard to change your thinking. You were raised in a family where, where you, you, it's not hard to believe in success or for prosperity. Others of you, that's going to be real hard to change that, that expectation of your life. Others of you, it's not going to be hard to change the way you talk about your finances. Others of you, it's going to be a little bit harder, right? Uh, others of you, it's not going to be that hard to change uh, how big your life can be. Others of you, it's going to be a little bit harder to change that because of things that have been programmed into you. Am I making sense to you? All right. But I have found very few people that the giving part isn't hard. Now, I'm sure there's a few out there, but for most people, that's the hard part. And it's hard for a lot of reasons, right? One reason that I've discovered is it's hard because many of us, when we first hear about giving, we're already spending everything we make. <laughs> I mean, we're busted flat. Okay, we're spending everything we make. We live paycheck to paycheck, month to month. And then suddenly you begin to hear the gospel. You begin to hear things and God begins to move on your heart. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And suddenly now you start thinking, you know what? I'm going to start giving. And you're like, like, yeah, from what? From where? Where am I going to give from? I already spend everything I make. That's hard. That's hard. When Rochelle and I first started giving, that was not the issue for us. We, we, made, we had a good income. I, I was managing a steakhouse in town. Rochelle was a school teacher. We didn't have any payments other than our little apartment where we paid 150 bucks a month for. It was brand new. 
All right, 150 bucks furnished. Rochelle's dad gave us a car. <laughs> we, had no, we had no bills, you know? So we had great income. One year we took three vacations. It was great. So that was not the struggle for us. The struggle, and Rochelle was never had a struggle with giving. The struggle was with me. Because I saw what I made as belonging to me. And God needed to keep his hands off of it. And I had this philosophy. I was a child of God. I made Jesus Lord of my life. But my philosophy was, you know what? I'm not bugging you. Don't be bugging me. And over time, don't look at me bad, okay? I've changed. But over time, you know, we began, and I began to study, and I began to see. And one of the things that helped me to realize was, is that that verse I read to you in Proverbs 13, that I, was, that, that I could leave an inheritance to my children's children. And looking at my side of the family, that I, was not, I didn't have any rich relatives. My parents weren't rich. It wasn't going to come that way. It wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to happen. All right? So if I was going to leave an inheritance to my children's children, I was going to need supernatural help. And who better to go to than God? And I began to see that his process involved giving. All right? So you got to start sometime. You're going to have to start giving. Now, write this verse down. We won't go to look at it for the sake of time. Ecclesiastes, why, why do you have to start giving? Remember, the earth is governed by the law of seed time and harvest. As long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. If you want harvest, you've got to sow seed. Whether it's in your health, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your friendships, if you want harvest, you've got to sow your seed. A lot of people want harvest, but they don't want to sow seed. They want their marriage to get better, but they don't want to put anything into it. They want their health to get better, but they don't want to put anything into it. Don't get mad at me. All right. They want better friends, but they don't want to be a better friend. So they want harvest without sowing seed. But as long as the earth remains, there's seed time and harvest. All right. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4 one of the translations says this, listen, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. And the rest of the verse says this, keep sowing your seed. If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Keep sowing your seed. For many of you coming to church, there is no perfect condition for you to start giving. It doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense, particularly when you first come. Now, as you get in it and you stay in it and harvest begins to come in your life, then it becomes easier. Can anybody say amen to that? Amen. Right? But there have been times, even when Rochelle and I were into this for several years, where things would get tight, things would get thin. All right? But we never stopped sowing our seed. Rochelle and I started tithing 40 years ago. We never missed one month. Oh, I was tempted not to. 
There were times when I would have loved to have taken that tithe and given it somewhere else, paid something, done something else with it. But here's a thought for you. We made a decision 40 years ago to be givers. I've said this to some of you before. I made a decision to be a giver just like I'm a man. I don't wake up tomorrow morning and think I'm something else. Okay? Just like I'm a man, I'm a giver. Just like Rochelle was a woman, she was a giver. That's how we looked at it. We considered ourselves givers at DNA level. Chromosome level. Hmm? I don't get to be an animal tomorrow. I'm a man. Did you catch that? Okay, so we made that commitment to be givers. And we made our commitment. And when, and when, we, and when those times came, when, when conditions were not perfect, we just kept on sowing our seed. You have to make a decision that if you're going to get into God's process and let God's process work for you, that his wisdom trumps anything you think. That any instruction he gives you is smarter than anything you can come up with. That in spite of circumstances, you're going to go with the wisdom and the knowledge of God. That you're going to do it God's way. Even though conditions may not be perfect, you're going to keep sowing your seed. Am I getting through to you? You're going to sow your seed, right? You're going to, even though conditions may not be perfect, you're going to sow your seed. Now, we were never foolish, all right? By that I meant, you know, there were times when we gave our tithe and we gave our offering. That was it. Well, I didn't go beyond that, right? Because all the other money was committed. I, you know, we were never foolish like that, okay? But there were also times when our needs were so great that the little bit we had, what the heck, we might as well give it away. You know, we might as well sow the seed, you know, to, to, to get more seed into the ground. Now, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We were just there. Go back with me again. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Okay, we're going to look at a lot of verses in a hurry. Are you ready? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, look at verse 10, 10 again. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, God gives us seed to sow. God gives us seed to sow. Now you may sit there tonight and tell me, Pastor, there's no seed to sow in my life. Yes, there is. There is seed to sow in your life. Now what may be happening to your life is that other frivolous expenses or wasting of money is eating your seed. I'm sorry to be that blunt with you, but again, it's my last night, you know, and uh, on this subject. It's not my last night. It's last night on this subject at this time. <laughs> I didn't mean that the way it sounded, Lord. Ooh, I got grandkids to spoil. Don't take me now. All right, so... Uh, God gives you seed to sow. Now listen to me now. I've got, to, I've got to just get on this to give it all to you. In your life, there's going to be times when you're going to be faced with the need or the seed. Right? The need or the seed. What we had to do at times in our lives, and we still do it, it's a lot easier now, is I had to choose the seed over the need. <laughs> 
What it comes down to is, is which one do you believe is the most powerful? The need or the seed? That's a great thought, huh? So which one do you believe is the most powerful? The need or the seed? Now, when, I, when those times got hard, uh, wow, I tell you, I was tempted to believe in the need more than I was the seed. But we would sow our seed, all right? We would sow our seed. Now, the Bible declares that our giving at church is seed. God declares it to be seed. In this chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, this entire chapter is about an offering that the church at Corinth was going to give. All right? So all of these statements that are in this chapter are about that offering and what is going to happen as they give their offering. Listen, the church at Corinth was no different than the church at Abundant Living. Okay? And Paul was talking to them about this offering that they, had, that they were going to give. All right? And he said to them that God gives seed to the sower. So there was seed. There's seed in my life. There's seed in your life. When at, at times when we, because uh, shortly after, uh, you know, we, we decided to become givers, then we decided to go in the ministry and I quit my job. And so we went from my job that paid a lot more than Rochelle's job because I wanted to stay home and study. And suddenly now we were living on her little teacher's salary, which wasn't anything compared to what teachers get paid today. I'm telling the truth. Rochelle was getting like 600 a month, 700 a month, okay? So we took a huge pay cut. I was making several thousand dollars a month running a steakhouse, and, and she was just hardly making anything, all right? Now, this was a long time ago, okay? We were married for 42 years, okay? So this is a long time ago. A lot of things have changed. We were paying 15 cents for gas back then, so there you go. Again, we had a brand new apartment, apartment right over here on Sumac, for 150 bucks a month, furnished. I don't even want to see what you can get for 150 bucks a month furnished now. <laughs> you don't want to stay there. How many of you say amen to that? Unless you've got a bad dog and a big gun. All right? So, uh, you know, it, it was hard. All right? And, and we had to make a decision. And our decision was is that our giving would dictate our lifestyle. Our lifestyle would not dictate our giving. So we began to change our budget to get our giving in. Does that make sense? So we began to cut things. Because my future was not in things. My future was in God's increase in my life. I began to think longer than the moment. I'm thinking children and grandchildren. Are you listening to me? We're going to build something here and God is going to help us to build it. And he'll help you to build it. So we began to think that way. So we began to always look for the seed in our life. I always look for the seed. I always look for the seed. I've trained myself. It took me a while. To, and you can do it too, to become seed aware instead of need aware. Okay? I'm always looking for the seed because the seed will bring about the harvest. The need will only bring about more needs. Okay? Now, let me just say this to you, they're going to move along. Americans have a bad habit of calling everything a need. Oh, I need that. I need those rims. I need that. 
Oh my God, I need that purse. Oh my God, I need that purse. Oh my Lord. I don't know how I've lived this long without that purse. No, you're going to live another year without it, sweetheart, because you've got to make a choice that you're either going to give in to your need or you're going to sow your seed. Now, God doesn't care if you get the purse once all your seed is sown and your bills are paid, then you can go buy that purse. You can go get those rims. But don't come telling the Lord and don't tell your grandkids when you don't have an inheritance that, that, that what you did was you spent it on rims instead of sowing it into the kingdom of God. Now again, God doesn't care if you get rims. He'll get you more bigger rims than you ever dreamed of. He'll get you 22s if that's what you want. He doesn't care. I'm telling you, God loves that stuff. I'm telling you, he loves that stuff. If you think he doesn't, I'm sorry you don't see him the way he wants you to see him. He loves that stuff. But you got to be seed conscious. Because your seed is going to produce your harvest. Now, what do we give, all right? Where do we begin? First of all, you tithe. You tithe. God asks you to give a tithe at church. A tithe means a tenth. It's the literal definition of the word tithe. He asks you to give a tithe. Tithing began with Abraham in Genesis, the 14th chapter. Abraham gave tithe to Melchizedek, his high priest. Now, there's always somebody around that says, oh my God, I can't believe this guy's teaching tithing. Everybody knows tithing's not in the New Testament. Then you need to go home tonight and read Hebrews chapter 7. The eighth verse, Hebrews, Hebrews. That's not an Old Testament book, my friend. That's a New Testament book. Hebrews, the seventh chapter, verse eight said, here it is witnessed that he that lives forever, can only be Jesus, receives tithes. Now, the only way he can be receiving them is if the children of God are still giving them. Okay, now, I don't know where people came up with this, all right? You know, and this is what I always love, right? Let me just address something here. It's what I always love. People come up to me and say, well, you know, uh, you know tithing, you know, that, we, you know, the Lord knows he, everything I have belongs to him. Oh, shut up. <laughs> First of all, the Lord doesn't want everything you have. Okay, can we get that settled right now? If he wanted everything you had, he would have used a different word other than tithe because tithe means a tenth. He would have used whatever the Hebrew word was that meant 100%. He wrote the book, he could have used any word he wanted. But he used the word tithe, it means to give a tenth. Amen. In the Hebrew text where the word tithe comes from, in the Hebrew word, the Hebrew word tithe comes from the Hebrew root word that means to grow and to prosper and to grow rich. So God says that when you tithe, it's going to bring increase into your life. The very act of it is going to produce increase into your life. That's how he sees it. But most Christians see it as deficit, 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 deficit. God sees it as increase, 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 increase. What you got to do is get your thinking in line with his thinking. All right? Now, why do we tithe? Why do we tithe? We tithe because it honors the Lord. We tithe because, go, uh, go with me to the book of Malachi. All right? Man, I'm out of time already. Can you believe this? 
Can I keep you about five minutes late tonight? Would that be cool? I won't keep you much longer than that. All right, but just, I, I think I can get it all to you. Now, in Malachi, the third chapter, we, we have an incredible bit of wisdom here. In verse 10, insight is given to us. He says, uh, oh, look, I, look, I wrote it here. I forgot I wrote it in my Bible. I wrote down the literal definition of the word tithe in the Hebrew. It means to accumulate, to grow rich. To accumulate, to grow rich. So God sees the giving of my tithe. In fact, what I'm doing, and I need to renew my mind to this, I'm not losing, I'm accumulating. Oh, man, that's brilliant. Thank you, Father. So you got to get, I had to renew my mind to that, right? Now here in verse 10, he says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. The storehouse is the church that is feeding you. Okay? It's the church that is feeding you. He said, bring ye all the tithes in the storehouse that there may be meat or resources in my house. So we bring our tithes in so there may be resources in the house of God. This is the way that our church and every church in history, beginning from the temple of the Old Testament to throughout the 2,000 years the body of Christ has been here and every church around the world, this is how the church is, can I say it this way, is funded. All right? It's through the tithes and offerings of God's children. God blesses us. We then respond by blessing the house that God is using to cause us to be settled and established and flourish. We bless the house that he plants us in. All right, the place that is feeding us. So if you come here and we feed you and we nurture you and your children and we feed you, then I have every right to stand up and, and on, in services and say, you know, I need you to give. You should give. If this is where you come to church, you should be a part of the giving family. And I have every right to say that because this is the storehouse that is feeding you. And, and, and what God asks you to do is to give back a tenth. And an offering. Now, an offering is there's no percentage. The offering is whatever you want it to be above your tithe. I have people ask me all the time, well, Pastor, you know, I don't know what to do. What, what do you do? Well, it's what I do, all right? Now, other people do other things. It's what I do. I'd give my tithe, and I give another 5% above that for my offering. So I give 15% on a monthly basis. Now, throughout the year, I give much more than that. Why do, why do you give so much more, Pastor? Because Proverbs, the 11th chapter says, the world of the generous gets bigger and bigger. And I want my world to get bigger and bigger. So I make, gen Isaiah 32 verse 8 says, the generous man makes generous plans and by his generosity, he shall stand. I have a philosophy, and I say it all the time. It's part of my core belief. It's something Rochelle and I practiced for years, and I've taught it to my kids, and, and you'll hear it from them if you get around them, and they've heard it all their life, and I believe this, and I live this way. You can never go wrong by being generous. You can never go wrong. I'd rather get to heaven and God look at me and say, you know, Charles, you didn't have to give as much as you did <laughs> than them look at me and say, what was wrong with you? <laughs> we had all this store in store for you. Come over here and look at everything we wanted you to have that you didn't have because you were so stingy. Because the rest of that verse says, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. 
I'd rather live in a big world than a small world. I've lived in a small world. Can I just be honest with you? I've lived in a small world. I've been surrounded by small thinking. I've lived in a small world. I don't want to live in a small world. I want to live in a big world. I want to live a big life. Don't you? I said, don't you? Or have you already waved the white flag? Don't let me see it. I'll take it away from you. All right. Now, Proverbs, the third chapter, verse nine. Let's go look at it. Proverbs three, verse nine says, it gives us another reason why we give. Verse nine, he says, honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. So there's another instruction. First fruits in the Bible is another term for tithe. So honor the Lord with your substance. We give here, we have learned in our church that we give out of respect and honor to God. We give because Luke 6, 38 has taught us that God has given to us. How many of you believe tonight that everything you have came from God? How many of you believe tonight that everything you have, come on. How many of you believe everything you will have is going to come from him? All right. So when you accept that reality into your life, then it becomes really a natural happening to honor the Lord. You know, I honor Pastor Tommy Barnett every chance I get. Any of you ever noticed that? I honor him every chance I get. You know why I honor him every chance I get? Because he's given so much to me. He's given so much to me. You know, he still calls me three or four times a week just to check on me to see how I'm doing. He just got in from Indonesia the other night. And you know who he called first? Me. He didn't even call his own kids. He called him after he called me. Don't tell him that, but he called me. He said, I've been gone. Are you doing okay? You doing all right? How's Shannon? How's Jared? How's the church? Everybody okay? You still going forward? You doing all right? Do we need to talk? Do I need to come see you? Now, what? So you know what? I'm going to honor him at every chance. Why? Because he's given so much to me. Is it so hard for me then to do the same with my father, my heavenly father? No. Why are we arguing over this, church people? I don't know why. I don't know why people want to fight over honoring the Lord with their tithe. I, I, I don't get it. You know what? If you don't want to, don't. But just be clear that by in not tithing, what you're saying is, I think that I, God has given me nothing and he never will give me anything. I don't believe that. Now, I work hard. I do. I put in long days. I work hard. I travel. I do stuff. I, I, I work hard just like you do. But you know what? I believe it all comes from him. All right? Almost done. All right? So we give, right? So there may be resources in God's house. Amen? Amen? Now let me show you one more verse here real quick, and then I'll quote you some and we'll be gone. Psalm 126. This is important. Psalm 126. Verse five, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Sometimes sowing is hard, whether it's in your marriage, don't, don't say anything, whether it's on your job, you know, sowing is hard sometimes. You sow in tears, but God said, you shall reap in joy. The part I love there, I don't even get hung up on the tears and the joy. I just get hung up on the sowing and the reaping. <laughs> God said, you sow, you're going to reap. You sow, you're going to reap. You sow when it's hard, you're going to reap when it's good. The reaping is going to cause you to be happy again. Just go ahead and sow. Even though it's hard, just go ahead and sow. 
Verse 26, he that goes forth and weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his harvest with him. So there I love it, man. There have been times when it has been hard for me to give, but I had to change my budget. I had to change my lifestyle in order to do my giving. But you know what? Man, oh man, you forget about it. You know what it's kind of like? It's kind of like when a lady's having her baby and she hates you. <laughs> she hates the doctors. She hates everybody in the room. Right? I love it. You know, I mean, I've, I've had guys tell me, you know, my wife told me to get out of the room. She never wanted to see me again. Yeah. But once they have that little baby in their hands, oh, you forget all the pain, don't you, ladies? That's why, that's how we convince you to have another one. I don't know why. I, how do you let us do that to you? I don't, you know, there's an old saying, right? If men had the first baby and women had the second baby and men had the third baby, there'd only be two babies. There's probably some truth to that. All right. Okay. Last verse I want you to see tonight, right? Remember you are blessed to be a blessing. So you got to start your giving. Amen. You got to start your giving if you haven't. And if you are giving, turn me to Proverbs 28 and then we'll be done. Has it been good tonight? Proverbs 28. Oh man. This verse is underlined in my Bible. I was confessing it today confessing it in my life today. Proverbs 28, you know what? I can't dunk a basketball. I can't run fast. I can't sing. I can't write poetry. I can't put together sermons like T.D. Jakes. But I can do this. 28, 20, a faithful man. I can be faithful. By that I mean I can stick to it. I can stick to it. And if I've done anything right in my life, I've stuck to stuff. A faithful man shall abound with blessings. Once you start, stick to it. Don't let anybody talk you out of it. Don't let anything talk you out of it. Stick to it. Stick to it. Stick to it. Because you know what? Your harvest is coming. You may be sowing in tears, but you're going to reap in joy. You may be weeping in tears, but you're going to come back with rejoicing, bringing your harvest with you. Just stick to it and watch the blessings abound in your life. Amen? Stand to your feet with me. Let me pray with you and I'll let you go. I will get you out on time next week, I promise. Next week we begin the series called The Real You. Oh, it's going to be so good. Lift your hands. Let me pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, say this to me. Say, I believe tonight that you were made to be poor, that I might be made rich. God, I believe tonight that I have in my possession the blessed to be a blessing covenant. I am blessed. And that blessing will make me, my family, my children, my grandchildren, rich. Give us more so we can give more. I thank you tonight. I have seed. I will sow it. And you will give the increase. And I thank you for it. My life is abounding with blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I love you. See you this weekend. 
Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information on teaching materials or questions about our church, please visit us at alfc.com or charlesneeman.com.